thought maybe there was keyboard time now. So I thought, oh my goodness, where I, 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 I thought I saw him nod at me, but maybe I haven't had enough coffee or too much. Um, last night I didn't sleep too well. It has nothing to do with the whole preaching thing. It's because, you know, periodically you let yourself become the slave of some device in your life. And the device that I let enslave me was my Apple Watch, who told me that all of my rings were not yet closed, that I needed exercise, that I, in spite of all of the things I did on the mountain yesterday, apparently it was not exercise. And so uh, dragging limbs and chopping limbs and things was apparently to my Apple Watch just fun, frivolous play. So at uh, 10 o'clock last night, I decided I would just take a very brisk 18-minute walk to close the, uh, the circles, and I closed the circles, and then I could not sleep because, of course, I exercised and got my blood flowing, and it was very exciting, so I laid in bed, and 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 it was 12.30, and I was still looking at the clock, and, of course, my... Uh, my uh, sense was I could get up, but then I might wake Linda up, and I don't want to wake Linda up, so I'm just going to keep laying here and laying here and laying here. And eventually I fell asleep, and I had a dream. This is, uh, you know, dreams can be very revealing. You should listen to your dreams. Uh, I think sometimes they tell you something that something deep inside you is trying to tell you. So the last dream I remember of the night, I was marrying a young couple. I, I don't know who the young couple was. I did not recognize the two people that I was marrying. But uh, I know that we had had all these premarital counseling sessions because we flash-forwarded through all of them in my dream. And they had asked for something very specific in their wedding. Well, I arrived at the church, or whatever this space was. It did not look like St. James. I have no idea what it was, except that I arrived to... Uh, uh, to do this wedding. And I was dressed like I am right now in my St. James blacks. And, uh, you know, I was ready to do the wedding, except whatever they had asked for, I had left at home. And uh, I didn't have my Bible with me. I didn't have the book of worship with me that gave me all of the words I needed to say. And so I was like, well, you know, I've, I've done 500 of these. I, I should be able to remember the basic stuff and, you know, walk through this thing. Um, and then I heard a voice say to me, James, you'll be fine. Just speak your truth. Just speak your truth. So apparently, uh, you know, I got up this morning and I sat in front of my journal and uh, I decided to write down my, my uh, dream. So I was writing my dream and then I was noticing new details and I was thinking about the truths that we speak in life and the truths that come to us and the truths that are not always true. Um, and one of the things that we have to learn to do for each one of us is appropriate our faith in our own way. You know, I can tell you every Sunday morning what I think about Jesus. I can tell you who I know God to be. But unless you appropriate that God for yourself and make that story your own, it is pointless because the story must be yours. We are all part of God's story. And God wants us to make a difference in the world. And that's part of what this visioning process for St. James is. We, we didn't bite off enough. We, you know, uh, we set a five-year goal 
and we're done with it in two years. And, uh, you know, we thought we were moving to Cameron Station, and God sent us back to the West End, opened the right door for us. We didn't think there was a door to be opened on the West End, but of course we kept praying, and the door opened for us to stay on the West End, and then we knew we had to stay on the West End, that this was what God wanted for us. So whatever our next step is, we want to listen really carefully. We want to pray a lot about it. Last week we gathered here, about 20 of us, uh, in this space. We ate lunch together. We prayed, we centered, we talked about what we dreamed about for St. James, potentially for the future, the kinds of things that rose up inside of us, the kinds of things that were going on. And we're going to make those raw documents available to everybody in the congregation so you can pray over them. But uh, Mark scanned them in last Sunday night and passed them around to the leadership team. And so in their rawest form, I have spent the week praying and beginning to separate out some pieces, some big adaptive kinds of things that we might do, some technical changes we could make uh, relatively easily, and some things we need to fix. You know, if I heard communication challenges once at my table. I heard it three times at my table. And I've talked to other people at other tables who said they heard the communication issue too. We're apparently not all that great at communicating. And, you know, that's our job. <laughs> if we cannot communicate and share the good news, and we, you know, if we can't even share exactly how you do communion on Sunday morning, how the heck do we supposed to imagine we're supposed to share the love of God? So we're going to work out some of those little minor details. But as I began to think about this visioning exercise we did last week and what God might lift up for us to do, I thought to myself that I, I had some, some things that I wanted to say to you. Last week I just tried to talk about how we had to begin where we were, that we had to begin with love. That's where everything begins for us. If it begins in anything other than love, if it begins out of a place where you know, of uh, wanting to be a big church or make a name for ourselves or do something like that, then it is the wrong place for us to begin. The right place for us to begin is how do we love and how do we love right where we are in a way that will change people's lives. Because we're not changing people's lives. If people are not being transformed, then we're not even being the church. We're being a nice club where we do some cool things and it's nice and all that kind of stuff. But we could just be the Ruritan Club, except we wouldn't be because we're not in a rural area. So the Ruritan Club's in the rural area. We could be an Optimist Club or something else, but we could not be the church because lives are transformed through the power of God. So I wanted to begin with the need. And I began in this week, God laid on my heart first Romans, part of Romans chapter 8. And it's about uh, the world in which we live. The whole creation waits breathlessly with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, it was the choice of the one who subjected it, but in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from the slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. We know that the whole of creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it is not only the creation. We, ourselves, who have the Spirit as the first crop of the harvest also groan inside as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. We were saved in hope. 
if we see that we, what we hope for, that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they have already seen? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. Now, in a way, that's all about vision, but it's also about how it's not just about us being personally transformed. Oftentimes, I hear people talking to other people about faith, and it's all about you saying yes. All we need you to do is say yes. Just say yes. Just say the Jesus prayer in your heart. You're good. You're covered. Some of my sisters and brothers think that you just have to say it once, and you're done. You're covered for the rest of your life. You just said, I believe in Jesus, and it's all over. Now, that's okay, I guess, you know. It's not my theology. And theology is just a way, it's a fancy word that means God talk. The way I understand God is this begins a lifelong journey. When I say yes to God, that was just the beginning. Because now I have to learn to say yes with every aspect of my life. Yes to who I am. Yes to the verb, to the song I was meant to sing. Yes to what I'm supposed to do with my life. And if I'm not doing the right thing, I'm not saying that I'm not, but if I'm not doing the right thing, I need to look at some other form of vocation. I need to find another way to do that thing which God has called me to do. And the same is true not only for individuals, but as a church. How are we such a thing, such a group, here on the West End going to sing our song unless each one of us is being transformed, each one of us is being changed, each one of us said yes, and each one of us is working together to sing the one song God has given us to sing for as long as we can sing it in this place. The one thing I have learned in serving this congregation for 27 years, that about the only constant is change and me. Uh, apparently, I have been here for 27 years, but in that 27 years, I can't tell you how many times it's turned over here. Most of my clergy friends who are United Methodists who move every four to six years, and sometimes more often, if it's not a good match, uh, they're the ones that are always leaving. That is not what is going on at St. James. I haven't left really yet. That's not to say that I couldn't get a call tomorrow from the bishop. I don't think that's going to happen. It would shock me, but it's, anything can be shocking. Change happens all the time, but um, it, people come and people go. People move here. They stay for as long as they can. Oftentimes, I've had so many folks say to me, we found you, and in three months we're moving. We wish we had found you earlier. Twelve weeks is all we get with you. It's like, well, make it the best twelve weeks you know how to make it. You know, give it your best shot. You know, uh, Love as best you can for 12 weeks. Nobody's guaranteed anything. We're not sure if the building won't burn down tomorrow. I'm sure hoping not. But, you know, uh, I just kind of got it the way I kind of like it, you know. And, but, you know, in the end, it's just a building. And we could rebuild that kind of thing. But the truth is, God wants to build us into something sacred, something unique, something different. Not a carbon copy. We're not a carbon copy either. We are not meant to look like, you know, podunk or random United Methodist Church. We are meant to look like St. James. What is St. James meant to look like? We are meant to look like living stones. First Peter writes in one of the general letters, we are meant to be living stones being built by God right here as a building that is, gives glory to God and transforms lives, inspires others. So, you know, I read you that piece from Thomas Merton this morning, and you might say to yourself, so what? What's this whole vocation thing? Every one of you has a vocation. When I was growing up, 
I thought vocation belonged to clergy people, so I decided to take a vocation. But all of you who are living the song God gave you have a vocation. And even those of you who are not living the song God gave you have a vocation you just haven't discovered yet. You might just have a job. It earns money, but it doesn't give glory to God or to you. And you might feel like you're in that dead-end space. You wish you could get to the next thing. But you can't let go of the thing you've got until you figure out what the next thing is. Or maybe you realize the only way I'll figure out what the next thing is is to let go of the thing I've got and free fall into God and trust that God will use me as a living stone. God will build me into the building God wants me to be. So what are you doing about that? How are we going to live into this vision God is giving to us? And I don't think God has given it to us. If anybody thought that we would show up last Sunday afternoon for two hours, and it would just, you know, the ceiling would open up magically, and a hand from the heavens would extend down. That looks a lot like Zeus's hand in, uh, you know, the model in the Sistine Chapel. That's Zeus. You know, that's not God. Some Zeusy look. That's that's the model they use. Zeus. So in any case, some Zeus-like hand would reach in here with a piece of paper and say, "This is what I got you for you, Saint James." That's what we were hoping for. I'll be honest. I was hoping for that. I was hoping that I would sit at a table and everybody would just say, "James, I heard from the Lord on the way." to this meeting, as I was eating my sandwich. This is exactly what we're supposed to do. I know. And I, I would be waiting with bated breath to hear that. But everybody said, this is something I dream of. This is something I think God might dream of for us. Do you think this is something we would see ourselves doing? And we were at, we were at five different tables. And then at the end, what we hoped to see was, what arose at this table and at this table, and this table, and this table, and this table, were there some common threads that maybe God was speaking into different people's hearts? And how will we sit with these? Now we're going to, as I told you a little earlier, we're going to make available to you the raw data, and then I'm going to hopefully early this week finish the breakdown that I have of what I see listed there, just listed there. Fixing things, things that technically we can change, and big things, big audacious goals that God may have for us. And then I want you to pray over them. Because you see, if we're being built into this, as living stones, into this living church, because this building at the end of the week is, is really nice, but, you know, by 4 o'clock this afternoon, it's just going to be sitting here empty. It's not going to be a church. No matter what anybody wants to call it, the church is not a building, it's you. The church is going to be in the world somewhere. You're going to be out there coaching something or playing something or watching something or walking somewhere or cutting grass. I don't know how you're going to do it. It's raining out there. But you're going to be doing something somewhere out there. Whether you know it or not, whatever you're doing, you're, you're being the church. Now what we're asking what this vision is about is not just what you do as the church out there, but what can we do here as a presence on the west end of Alexandria that's going to change people's lives? Besides just proclaiming good news on Sunday and being honest, 
So that's a good, that's something we can do. No, no, why, don't apologize. No, believe me, you know, uh, it goes off at the most intriguing times. Maybe God was, okay, there was enough of that, James. I want you to move on to the next point. It could have been a signal. It could have been a signal. So I'm taking it as a signal, moving on to the next point. So over the next weeks, we're going to be doing two new sermon series that I want, you know, that I, I think are important. We're going to hear some voices from amongst the congregation as well as myself. And the two sermon series, one starts where we are. Because I suspect many of you, if I asked you at any given moment, could not tell me what the mission of St. James is, just off the top of your head and what it means for you. Your bridges, by the way. Your bridge builders at the end. Hint on the wall over here. You know, with our model, this is Ali Sue, and this is Angel. What an appropriate name. In any case, we are being bridge builders. But you probably don't even know what our core values are. Things like authenticity, integrity, transparency. We need to know what those are. That's where we start. But additionally, we're going to talk about some practices. Because let's be honest with each other. We have roots in United Methodism, but we have no idea what those roots mean for us. So we're going to have a series about the general rules of the church. And I can tell you what the three general rules are, but we're going to break them up a little bit. And we're going to hear from some folks in our congregation, and they are, first, do no harm. If we could just practice that one, man, the world would be so much of a better place. Do no harm. I can't tell you how much harm we do with our words, with our actions, all the time in lots of big ways. But all right, first, do no harm. Second, and this seems like a no-brainer too, do all the good you can. Boy, that seems pretty easy until you think about it. What's all the good you can? You know, well, and guess what? John Wesley wasn't enough with just do all the good you can. Do all the good you can in all the places you can, at all the times you can. Essentially, with every breath you take, do some good. I don't know how that's going to work, but we're going to talk about that. And then the last of the three general rules is this. Find the practices that bring you closer to God. That's my translation. John Wesley's translation was attend to the ordinances of the church. I, I don't find that very particularly helpful. What the heck does that mean? Well, that's, you know, it's like when I told Linda, when she asked me how I felt about her the first time, you know, she said, well, how do you feel about me? And I said, I value our relationship. And she said, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? Attend to the ordinances of the church. Well, we're going to talk about the practices that will bring you closer to God. What does prayer look like? What does prayer look like for you? For you. We're going to talk about different kinds of prayer, different ways to pray. We're going to talk about staying awake in our daily lives to the things that rise up in us so that we don't turn the poop that rises up in us on other people. Because that's oftentimes what we do. When pain comes my way, I have two choices. Richard Rohr said this, but I'm borrowing it from him. Richard said, you can do two things with pain. You can transmit it to other people, or you can be transformed by it. You can find a way to hold that pain in such a way that it changes you. And instead of passing on pain, you become a healer because of the pain you've experienced. You can heal by the pain, what Henry Nouwen called the wounded healer. All of us are wounded, and we can use those wounds to heal 
hurt somebody else or to bring healing to somebody else and ourselves. So we're going to talk about the practices that will bring us closer. And all the while that this is happening, we're going to be praying as a congregation. I want to challenge you all because you might say, well, I don't know how to pray, James. You just told me. Well, if we read on in Romans chapter 8, in the same way the Spirit comes to help our weaknesses, we don't know what we should pray. But the Spirit himself... Actually, the Spirit really is herself. It's not himself. But that's a side issue. You know, the, the, it doesn't matter. But the Spirit herself pleads our case with unexpected groans. So even if you don't know what to say, hold the document in your hand, or if you refuse to print it out because you don't want to kill any trees, because you don't want to do any harm, I understand that, you have the electronic document, put your hand on the electronic document that you've just read through, and say, God, I don't know what to pray about all this stuff that I've just seen. I'm not sure. But you know, your spirit knows. The way we got into the building we're in right now is not because we had a great broker. Although we did, and we do. Bob's pretty cool. Bob Kulitz. But why we got into this building is because God opened the door. We prayed to move into Cameron Station and to move where we were sure God wanted us to go. And God, I just can imagine the divine laugh for the last 14.6 billion years. You know, at some point, that St. James group is going to think they know. <laughs> it's going to think they know. Oh, my goodness. And I'm going to surprise them. I'm going to surprise them. And sure as heck, God did. And here we are. Is it a perfect space? No. But is anything in life perfect? No. Is it a good enough space? Does it hold us? Does it feel warm? Does it welcome you? Does it welcome anybody who comes into the space? It absolutely does. Is it enough? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe God's vision is adding on, doing something different. I don't know. We will never know if we don't pray about it and look for God to open the right doors for us to be the people. Yes, there are big things to worry about. Is the United Methodist Church going to split? I don't know. I have friends who are talking about it. I have other friends who aren't talking about it. I, uh, I don't know. All of these are questions that are bigger than my pay grade. Much bigger than my pay grade. You know what my pay grade is? Loving my neighbors as myself and loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength. That's my whole pay grade. That's it. I'm doing my best to love you and to love God, and that's all I know how to do while living out this vocation as your pastor and speaking my truth so that you might learn to speak yours. Because God has a truth for you. Let me tell you a couple of those truths real quick. You are beloved of God. Nobody can stand between you and that. If we read on in Romans chapter 8, what can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Nothing, essentially I'll summarize it for you, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. You are God's beloved. God looks at you and sees your beauty and your glory no matter what you see when you look in the mirror. Oh, 
I know when I look in the mirror, this is not the face from a magazine. You know, maybe a horror magazine, but not that, you know. Uh, let's be honest, don't some of you feel that way when you look in the mirror? <sighs> yeah. But that's not what God sees. And we got to learn to see with God's eyes because what God sees in you is beautiful, is glorious, is a living stone that he's building into a building. You are already beloved. And part of being beloved is sharing love. Sharing love, the love you've already been given with others who are already loved by God as well. And guess who that is? Everybody. There's nobody you'll meet that isn't already loved by God, no matter who they are, what they do, or how they behave. So we've got to figure out how to do that exactly on the West End. What is our unique way of loving? What is our unique way of being St. James? What is the song we are meant to sing? What are the dreams we're meant to dream here that will change people's lives? And we start by just loving people where they are.